I am responsible for the things I clearly know how to do. And the universe is responsible for anything that feels too big or unclear or unsure for me. So if I have no idea how it's going to get done, it goes to the universe. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hey there, it's your gal Carly, and today is a very special episode. So you might have heard me say before that I love hearing how other people live and work. I just get so much insight and so many ideas and aha moments when I hear about what works for other people. So recently, I asked a group of women that I work with, what do you want to know about me? Like if I just spilled the beans and you could ask me any question you want about my career or how I run my business or my personal life, What would you want to know? And let me tell (laughs) you, these women came in hot with some juicy, juicy questions. They got right to the heart of the matter. There was no holds barred. And we got to have this really special conversation where we just kind of rapid fire went through a series of questions they had. Now, these are not just any women. These are the women of the Reclaiming Time Studio, which is a group coaching program I run for women who are really career-driven. So some of them run their own businesses and some of them, they work for somebody else, but they really care about their careers. It's meaningful to them. And I have been wanting to figure out a way for a long time how to share more of what goes on within that private coaching group. But to me, it's kind of like Vegas in there. Like what happens in there needs to stay in there because it's sacred. This is a place where women get to share things that they don't always get to open up and share with other people. And they get to make really deep, lasting sisterhood kind of friends. And that wouldn't happen if I was sharing the content with everybody. So because this particular session that we had was me answering all the questions, I realized for the first time ever, I could dare to be vulnerable enough with you to give you a peek inside how my world actually runs. So they asked me two main types of questions. They asked me questions about my career and the behind the scenes of how I run my business. There were questions like, how has my business evolved from when it started? Or what was a big mistake and a success that impacted the growth of my business? Some people asked, what is my professional daily routine like? Like, what does a typical Monday through Friday work week even look like in my world? Somebody said, if I could give my younger self one piece of advice when starting my business, what would it be? And then other people asked very nuts and bolts questions, like, what are the specific organizing and scheduling tactics I use to stay on track. And perhaps one of my favorite questions around the business was, what is one thing that helps my business the most? And I want to give you a spoiler alert right now. It is not being the smartest person or working the hardest. (laughs) That is not what has gotten my business the farthest. So I'm going to share with you what actually does. And then they asked me some really juicy personal questions too. They wanted to know everything from what's my diet? 
What do I eat in order to have enough energy? How do I remain motivated? What's my relationship with social media like? Like, what are the ways I interact with it? What seems to work? They wanted to know what mistakes I wished I had avoided. And somebody even asked, what do I wish I was better at than I currently am? So if you are curious about how myself and all of these women leaders are working and living in the world, this is the episode for you. Now, I got to give a quick shout out before you get to hear the recording, because there's some really interesting synchronicity happening here. On iTunes, a listener named, screen named, RayRay1510 said, this is a must listen for all females everywhere. So many gold nuggets of actionable wisdom in one episode. I especially love the concept of willpower versus waypower in a society where we need strong female leadership now more than ever. Thank you, Carly, for being the strong voice that is helping to support so many. Much love, heart emoji. <laughs> Thank you, Ray Ray 1510 for taking a moment to leave this kind of review. And for everybody out there that's doing the same, I read them. I really wanted to note something important here because it's relevant to today's episode. To me, leadership is not about being the boss at the top. It is not about being the sage on the stage. It is not about being the person that has everything together or pretending to be perfect or developing some type of hierarchy where one person dominates another. We've seen that done before. It's not effective, right? Leadership, true leadership, is about learning about ourselves, what we value, and then being able to speak about it really openly and honestly. So it's not about telling people what to do. It's about learning from the people you're with and sharing what you know works. So to Ray Ray 1510, I appreciate this so much because it was your inspiration that made me think, you know what? I'm going to dare to be vulnerable enough to share the way I actually run and do things. And for all of you who are listening in, make sure you tag a screenshot of you listening to this episode. Tell me which part lands for you because I'm really curious. Now, the last thing I'll say before I start the recording is we don't just call it a Q&A in my practice. We always call it a two-way Q&A, meaning you get to ask me questions and then I'm going to ask you one super delicious question hopefully a question that elevates you into some new awareness within yourself. So as you're listening to me answering all these questions and the women and I in there having dialogue back and forth as they uncover things within themselves, stay tuned towards the end of the episode because I am going to ask you personally, directly, one really important question. So with no further ado, welcome to a peek inside the Reclaiming Time studio and the way I run my business and my life. As we move into this two-way Q&A where I'm going to be answering some of your juicy questions, and you guys have some very juicy questions, I'm just going to go through them just in the order that they were, that they were posted, except I've shifted a couple things around when there were some similar themes. There were some questions that were really directly related to each other. And I'll be curious to hear what you notice, what speaks to you. Here's what I know to be true of you. Every woman in this group has a really good internal compass. You know what feels right for you. So if you hear five things that sound like a good idea, doesn't mean you need to do them all right now. All right? What I'm thinking is take a note, whether a mental note or ideally a written note on what stands out to you. And then maybe you, you implement one or two things that you had an aha about, either because I shared them or somebody else shared them or you within yourself heard something. 
So Dana posted this question first. She said, how has your business evolved from where you started? And also, what's a mistake and a success that impacted your current success? Great question, Dana. So my business has evolved a lot from when I originally started. And I realized that there was a typo. And I I don't even know that it was a typo. I think I wrote it, but forget like how old I actually am and how many years have actually gone by since I started my business. So I founded Everybody Thrive in 2007, which means it's, it's going to be about 13 years old now. And in my mind, it's always a baby and it's not. It's like a teenager right now. That's how it feels anyway. And so when I originally started my, my practice, I had been working in physical therapy and I knew that I wanted to be on the preventative end of things. As a physical therapy assistant, I was seeing that we were treating a lot of issues and conditions that were preventable in nature. And now people had to go through really complicated things to rehab. So of course there was freak injuries or accidents. Those were real, but a lot of things were preventable. And so I decided to become a yoga teacher. And I thought if I'm a yoga teacher, maybe I can help prevent some injuries and illnesses. And I just kept following my passions. So I did yoga teacher training. And then I thought, well, orthopedic massage, medical massage would go really well with this too. And I did that and, and kept building and kept wondering during all of these additional programs and going to nutrition school and all these programs, why couldn't I find the one thing that made sense? I kept wondering what was wrong with me that I hadn't found the thing yet. And I felt like I was hopping from job to job, even though I wasn't. I, but it certainly felt like that. But like every three years, I was reinventing myself and my business. And it was evolving with me and I was adding more in. And then one day I was touring with a celebrity client of mine who it just so turned out needed every single skill set I had been trained in. So my undergraduate degrees are in business management and law. And then I did all this wellness training and then all this coaching training. And it just so happened that this one client needed a little bit of all of it. They needed massage therapy. They needed some yoga. They needed some help with some business things. They needed nutrition stuff. And it occurred to me. This entire time that I thought I was floundering and not knowing what to do, I was actually collecting the exact training I would need. It was all like, it felt like, oh my gosh, somebody had a master plan after all. And it wasn't me. <laughs> like It wasn't me that had the master plan. I was just following the next steps that, that felt right. And so it's been a big evolution. And the current evolution I'm in right now is scaling just a little bit. How can I be of more service to more people and do some more online courses and things like that while still being really present with my, my private clients? So that's my, my current evolution. A major mistake, to answer your question, and a success, I would say the major mistake was thinking that I needed to figure it all out, Dana. That was my mistake. It was a mistake in that it constantly made me doubt myself. It made me this funny myth that if I didn't get it right, that nobody else would get it right for me, that I would have to figure it all out by myself, caused me a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety and a lot of doubt and, frankly, a lot of overworking. I think it was the number one reason why I overworked on a regular basis was because I thought that I had to do so much or else it wouldn't work out for me. And I think that that actually slowed my, my progress down. Um, I don't regret it because it's because it's literally why I run the business I run now. So it's great. But that was the, the number one thing that stood out. And I think 
a big success for me was that moment, was that moment where it, it clicked when I was working with a client. And I was like, oh my gosh, all these seemingly random things are exactly what I needed. So that was the success moment. It wasn't any one particular, it was a particular client in that moment, but it wasn't any one particular event. It was this culmination of understanding that, oh, all these things will come together at some point and I'll know what to do with them. And I will be valuable to the right person. Not to everybody, but I will be valuable to the right people. I have something to offer to the people who are looking for what my experience has been. Does that answer your question, Dana? Oh, my God, yes. What do you notice? Well, you couldn't hear me the whole time saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, my God, yes. I feel exactly the same way. Holy crap, is she living my life? Is she in my brain? (laughs) All, all, All of it. The having to figure it out, the feeling, you know, I, I just, and I love, there's so much happening right now. It's hard for me to articulate <laughs> that idea that the success, the so-called success and mistake could be the same event I love and that it's, it's not a task, you know, mm. it's not like, oh, I did this and it was the quote unquote wrong thing to do. It's just that it's just part of the evolution. I love, love, yeah, everything you said. And I feel exactly the same way. It's like, here I am still wondering what I want to be when I grow up, yet everything I've done has brought me right here. And it continues to get clearer every day. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. This is why I love being open about things. I think we find a lot of us feel similar ways, even if we're doing different paths. It's like, yeah. And we're not crazy. Or if we are crazy, there's a lot of us and we're crazy together. And that's what Yeah, I'm, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a try. So, we do. That's for sure. Julie, your question was totally different and super fun. Julie said, what is your typical Monday through Friday work week look like? And I have a very specific routine that I do. So the, the overview here, and this is based on talk about evolution. This is the evolution. And, and I also feel like my schedule is a living, breathing thing. It evolves with me. So it works for a period of time. And then I revamp. And then I revisit. And I revamp. So my current schedule is I work Monday through Friday, most weeks. And I coach clients from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which means Monday and Friday on Monday, I'm planning out the week. I'm doing the behind the scenes of getting my foundation looking at what needs to happen, what's important, and making plans for that. And on Friday, I'm wrapping everything up. And what's interesting is that, you know, on paper or online, for my clients who go to schedule appointments with me, the hours for coaching are are 10 to 2, those three days a week. But my workday starts at about 7 a.m. But it looks like getting out of bed and doing my daily practice, which for me right now is drinking some warm water. I do five minutes of journaling. I do one minute of breathing. I do the exercise that my body feels called to do. Some days, like today, it was a 15-minute kind of sweaty thing. Some days, it's a half an hour of just glorified stretching. I take a shower. I eat a really good breakfast, and then I start my day publicly. But that, those first three hours are essential to my business practice. I see them as work time. And that was a big shift for me. I no longer saw, when I stopped seeing my self-care as different, that it was something that I needed to schedule after work once I earned it, that made a huge difference. Because now I get the rested, calm, clear version of me. And then hopefully so do my clients. 
Beth, you asked the question, what is the one thing that helps my business the most? It's my personal nourishment. There is nothing else that has a bigger impact on my business. So there has never been, gosh, I've taken so many programs. I still am. I'm always in a program. I've always got a coach or a mentor that I'm working with. And they've all been incredibly valuable. And everything I've learned along the way has helped me. But no one thing has been as important as me being consistent about slowing down and being nourished. That changes everything. I see the bigger picture more and I feel more clear. So what's interesting, Julie, to answer your question is that the longer I'm in practice, the less busy work I do. So even though my business is fuller and there's plenty to do, Ellen, my right, my right hand co-pilot, she would tell you I do lots. It's always getting more simple. I'm getting clearer and I'm honing in. And the less I do, the bigger the results tend to be. The thing, though, that's important about that Monday through Friday, the reason that's able to work for me with not working, you know, 80 hours a week, it works because the things that I do do, the things that I do focus on, I'm really clear in the beginning of a week so that I know that they're the important things. So the important things get done, and then I don't have to do everything anymore. Does that answer your question, Julie? Does that make sense? Yeah, it feels so good. <laughs> what do you what do you notice about it? Yeah, getting clear on slowing down, it just so resonates. I feel like I'm working toward I kind of went through this spike of busyness and I'm wanting to be less busy, but I can't just drop everybody quickly. So mm-hmm. just knowing what I'm wanting to create for this next phase is that slowing down. I've been obsessed with sloths lately <laughs> and I'm putting them all over my office. And I think it's for that reason, that reminder to slow down. I love that, Julie. That's a great visual. That is a great visual. Okay. Next one coming right up. We've got Sandrine. She said, if you could give your younger self one advice, piece of advice when starting your business, what would it be? I really had to think about this, Sandrine. Here's one thing I wish I knew, I knew sooner. No one thing needs to save me. Meaning, there doesn't need to be one workshop that I give that just crushes it and everybody loves it. Or there doesn't need to be one email that I send that's great. There doesn't need to be one client that's the client that helps me you know, break through to a new patch of clients. I think that was a lot of pressure I was putting on myself. So everything felt crunched and hard because I felt like it had to be perfect. The shift for me or what I now know is being the one who just stays in the game is enough to rise to the top. And I could commit myself to a lifetime of uplifting other women and whatever that was going to look like, knowing that that might evolve with me as it certainly has and hopefully will continue to do. But I can commit to being the one who sticks with this for a lifetime. And I think that's when the slowing down became really important because I thought, oh, crap. (laughs) If I'm trying to stick with this for a lifetime at this pace, I'm going to keel over. There's no way. Right? So there's no one thing that needs to save me also because I don't need to be saved. But there are things that are working right now and and that's okay. Does that answer your question, Sandrine? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I really like it. What do you like about it? What, what stands out? Well, for me, that what stands out is being the one who stays in the game 
for the long term is enough. And you I have I started shifting towards that as well. What does that look so like? So you definitely you shift to shift. Yeah, you, you definitely slow down. It's like when I started running longer distance, you realize if you want to run for 30 kilometers, you can't sprint. You really have to slow <laughs> down. And then I realized if I want to live up to 120 and I want to do something during my whole active time and beyond, I can't go crazy like I did before, like like I'm a freaking baby still, so I have to slow down. Yeah, well said. I think that's it, Sandrine. You're helping me put something together that I realized my work was part of my life. Like, this is my life on the planet. Like, this is part of my legacy that I'm creating, whatever that's going to be, and it's all one. And so, right, I definitely, I definitely have to, to pace it. Yeah. All right, Beth, you had a question. And I think we already addressed it. It was the, what is the one thing that helps your business the most? And to me, it is slowing down and, and being nourished. Does that make sense though, Beth? Is there anything specific that I can speak to? It does make sense. I was hoping that that would be your answer. (laughs) 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 That was really funny that you said that. Keep going, keep going. Because I I really want to believe that, and I'm I have trouble with it. So, yeah, to have you confirm that that is true. <laughs> okay, so you're reminding me of something really funny. So there's an intuitive woman that I used to go to, a psychic that I used to go to in in the Berkshires. And when I first started going to her, she would give me these really great readings, and she would always tell me, "Oh, you're destined for great things," and this and that. And it always inspired me. I needed to hear that in those moments. And then I remember one day going in to see her and I was deciding whether or not to leave a job. And she read the cards and she said, you know what, Carly, you're not ready to start your coaching practice full time. You need to go work in like a box store. At that time, Kmart was a big thing. You need to go work in like a Kmart or a Walmart or a Target. And just like, it'll only be minimum wage, but it'll help focus your energy. And I remember sitting there and thinking, if the alternative is working in a box store right now that sucks my energy, I am definitely going to go start a coaching practice. And I remember leaving that thinking, I knew what I wanted to hear before she said it. And she helped me clarify it. And it sounds to me like you knew what was true for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels good. And amen to being validated. <laughs> it's not nice right. to be validated. Yeah. But also, like, we kind of have an inkling. And I use that now because yeah. when people give me their opinions, if it feels true, great. And if it, like, really makes me want to do the opposite of what they're saying, great. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. win-win. Clarifying. So Lakshmi asked a totally different question. Lakshmi, you said... What's your diet like? <laughs> what a great, like, fun, what a fun question. You know why I, I, I really like that question is what I eat is directly related to how well my business runs. It is directly related to it. So I eat, I think by, certainly by modern American standards, I eat pretty well. I take, like, care in what I eat. Here's been the most important thing, though, about what I eat. I remember about 10 years ago when I was really making the decision, because for the first few years of running my practice, I didn't do it full time. I couldn't afford to do it full time. I had other jobs. I had these routines around what I would eat. And so, for example, I eat oatmeal every morning. That was my breakfast, go-to oatmeal with, you know, raisins in it and cinnamon every single morning. And I just didn't think twice about it. And I started to have these really serious medical symptoms. I had the earliest stages of cancer. 
And I had gone to all these Western doctors and nobody had an answer for me. And I hadn't learned yet how to slow down. So my body and its brilliance was helping me figure out how to slow down. I went to, to some really advanced nutritionists. Really, I remember being really expensive. I scraped together all my pennies to go. And I realized that while I was eating while I was eating really repetitively. And so I wasn't getting the energy and the nourishment that my body actually needed. And I remember one morning going to make my oatmeal just because that was the habit. That was the pattern. And it hit me. Well, wait a minute. I know you make oatmeal every day, but body, what do you actually want? And I was quiet. And then this answer bubbled up. I heard quinoa and black beans, like for craving quinoa and black beans. And I thought, well, that's weird. That's not breakfast food. But I have those two things in the house, so I'll make them. And I think for the next two or three days, I ate quinoa and black beans, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner with nothing on it. And it was so delicious. And I was so, like, had so much more energy and so much more clarity. And so I, there is no one specific diet that I stick to other than the diet of asking my body what it wants and then going there when I can to the best of my ability on most days, and I always say most days because I don't, I don't eat perfect, that's for sure. But if I'm being really radically honest, there's one thing that I have not gotten okay with yet that I'm working on getting okay with, which is that not only does the food I eat have an impact on my energy level and probably my overall health, it impacts my emotional state. And I'm not okay with that because I really want to eat tons of chocolate all the time. <laughs> um, and yet I find when I eat like not great chocolate, the next day, like clockwork, I feel feeble. Like feeble is the word. I feel not capable and I feel vulnerable and I feel scared and I wonder if I'm going to be able to do the things that are on my plate. And it's like clockwork. And there's no research behind this. Like there's no science behind this. I just noticed that this is the pattern in my body. And so the question is, body, what do you need today? And then doing my best to, to give it what, it what it's asking for. How does that land watch me? That's great, Carly. I was just curious if you ate animal products or vegetarian or vegan, but it sounds like you listen to your body in moderation. Yeah. So I've been a vegetarian since I was 11. I'm allergic to milk, so I don't eat any of that. And I think that probably helps. But yeah, it really is. I'm like, what does, my, what does my body need today? And I promised myself that if my body's desperately craving a steak, I'll eat it, which hasn't happened in a long time. But I'll be honest, if it was craving it, I would do it. And part of that is I am so driven about my business. Like that is the way I was born. Like when other kids were playing, you know, wedding and dress up and mothers and babies, I was playing business. Like I would open little pretend stores and, and I do business better when my body's on board. And so that motivates me. 10 o'clock at night when I want that chocolate bar, I, I'm like, okay, you know. How's business going to be tomorrow if you do that? And that, for me, motivates me. Mm. Enough. Mm. Enough. Mm -hmm. Enough. Not perfect. Definitely not perfect, but enough. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ariel asked a bunch of good questions. And Ariel, some of them we've answered because there were some similar threads around my daily routine. And you asked a great question about what are the organization and scheduling tactics that I use to keep me on track? And just so you know, when, when we start the new group next year, I'm sharing all that for the first time in a very concrete way. Like I'm giving everybody all the handouts on exactly what me and, and all of my private clients use on a regular basis to organize and, and, and to stay scheduled and clear about what we're focusing on. But the short answer to this is 
every Monday I have three little handouts that I've created over time that I, that I fill out. And the first one is me checking in with my body. What does my body need with my emotions? How do I want to feel this week? What are the three main tasks that I'm going to focus on? Because I've learned that I can do three things a week. If I'm honest with myself, I can do about three things a week. Well, when I try to do more than that, things start to fall through the cracks or I feel stretched too thin. And when I say three things, it's like three focal points. There might be subcategories. For example, this week, um, it's wrapping up the enrollment for the Reclaiming Time Studio. It's my client sessions and it's getting podcasts recorded in advance for the holidays. Like bing, bang, boom. I can do those three things. If I try to do more, probably going to regret it or feel like I'm not good enough. And then the last one is I check in with where's the moon and, and the environment I'm in and its cycle. So I'm kind of like just acknowledging every week how I actually want to feel before I start mapping out my to-dos. I've noticed that that makes a really big difference. So for example, on my how do I want to feel this week list, I've got it here in front of me, so I'm just going to read it right off, right off the list. It says, I want to feel organized, I want to feel capable, and I want to feel clear. And so I'm going to make sure that my, my work tasks and the way I go about my work day helps me feel those ways. So this week, if I want to feel really confident, then I'm going to listen to some inspirational speakers on my lunch break because that seems to bolster my, my confidence. Or I'm going to talk to somebody who's two steps ahead of me during my work hours because that bolts my confidence. So I do that first, and then I begin to map out the nuts and bolts of, okay, now here's all the specific subtasks of how we're going to run the business this week. But here's the last thing I do, and some of you may have heard me speak about this before. If there's only one thing I did, this would probably be enough. I have a handout for this, but you could just use any old blank piece of paper. But I draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper every week. And on the left side, I label it my lane. And on the right side, I label it the universe's lane. And on the left side, I write down the things that I am responsible for doing. I am responsible this week for figuring out what I want to eat, and going grocery shopping and cooking the meals. This week, the universe is responsible for bringing me the perfect women for the Reclaiming Time Studio because I don't actually have any control over that. I can put it out there that it exists, but I can't, I can't bring the perfect women forth. I need the universe to do that. And so I'm very clear about staying in my lane. So when my worries start to mount, I'm like, oh my gosh, are we going to get the right people? Are they going to match with each other? Is it going you know, to sink in? None that's none of my business. I can't. I can't control that. I can go grocery shopping. <laughs> I can cook dinner. Universe, I need you to figure that part out. So that happens every single Monday. And then those sheets are like front and center on my desk because I notice that my mind likes to wander and it likes to chase shiny things. So they are the thing I see every time I sit down that binds me to my truth for the week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I said I'm focusing on feeling calm and confident. But then I got to trust that the universe is taking care of that part, and I need to stay in my lane. Any questions about that, Ariel? How do you decipher when you are going through what you're responsible for versus what the universe is responsible for? How do you kind of sort that? Like, let's say you're trying to organize your mind so that you can organize it on these papers. How do Mm -hmm. you process what the universe is responsible for versus what you're responsible for? Oh, great clarifying question. Great question. And I've got a very straightforward answer. I am responsible for the things I clearly know how to do. And the universe is responsible for anything that feels too big or unclear or unsure for me. 
So if I have no idea how it's going to get done, it goes to the universe. And sometimes it's simple little things. I started doing this exercise with things that didn't matter because I was just kind of curious to see if it would work. And I remember writing down, I need the dishes in my sink to be done because I don't have time for this. This was back when I was working around the clock. I don't have time to get the dishes in my sink done. And I wrote that down thinking, well, unless like some fairy shows up in my house and does the dishes while I'm sleeping, like I live by myself, like that's not going to happen. And lo and behold, one of my dear friends was in town visiting. She got to my house before me. I walked in and she said, I hope you don't mind. I did your dishes while I was waiting. I can never stand a messy sink. And I thought, oh my God. Like, hold on. Like, did I just manifest a dishwasher? This is crazy. And then I thought, well, let's go a little bigger. Let's see what else could happen there. And I played with it. So to answer your question very succinctly, my lane is things I clearly know how to do. The things that feel too big or unsure or I don't even know where to begin go on the universe's lane. And sometimes it looks like, um, let's say I want to bring in more revenue that month. I might say, universe, bring me in more revenue, or universe, show me how to bring in more revenue. Make it really clear. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to put it on my lane, but I'm going to need you to show me how. I'm going to need you to like bring me the right podcast or the right, you know, coach or the right mentor to teach me this new skill that I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. That's super helpful. Thank you. You are welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right. Moving right along. Actually, Ariel, it was, it was you who asked, How do I stay motivated? Mm -hmm. I think there's two answers to that question at the same time. The first is that I don't. (laughs) Don't stay motivated. So I've come to find that my motivation, like any of my other emotions, is like up, down, all over the place. Some days I have more of it than others. And so two years ago, I stopped banking on being motivated. I decided I couldn't depend on that. I needed to depend on something else. And so I am not always motivated, but I am always devoted to helping other women rise. So I no longer rely on motivation as much as I do devotion. And that might just be semantics. It might just be a word that resonates with me more. I don't know. I don't know if that resonates with anybody else. But I think I can be devoted to this every single day. I am devoted to the planet being a better place. And I can do that every single day. And some days it's working all day because it's a Monday through Friday. And some days it's not doing anything because it's the weekend and I need to recharge. But I can be um, devoted. So... That's one half of the answer. And the other answer is, I think I'm able to be devoted because I know what I care about. Mm-hmm. At least what I care about right now. I could evolve, but I know that I care about more women rising. And so I know my why, and then I rely on devotion. I can be devoted oh, to that. Yeah. yeah. So Dana asked a question, and a couple of people have asked questions about this similarly, about social media stuff. <laughs> like, what do you, like, how much does social media even matter for your business? How do I get followers? What do I think about it? I have strong feels about social media. I think we all have strong feels about social media. I think we can all see that there are some things about it that are great and there are some things about it that are not great. I know somebody else asked earlier on what's one mistake or something I could have avoided. One smaller thing that didn't help me out in the beginning was trying to grow my social media first or trying to grow online courses first. I I tried that about 10 years ago. And here's what I learned. I learned that it's really time consuming. You actually really have to know what you're doing. You're going to have to spend some significant money and it's going to take some energy to figure it out. And so in the beginning of running a business, it was tons of work and very little payoff in the beginning. And I realized that in a market that is saturated by everybody competing for your attention online, 
fastest way to stand out was to be the one who was making real human connections and talking with people one-on-one in person. And so to this day, like I don't have a huge social media following, but it's highly engaged and there may or may not be lots of comments, but every time I post something about, Hey, the doors are open on this, I get a handful of signups. I get a handful of enrollments like every single time. And it's always just enough. It's plenty of money to cover, to cover it. So my strong thoughts are in the beginning, human connection matters. People knowing that you legitimately care about them matters. Once you're starting to fill your bank account because you've begun to fill your practice or your service offerings, then we can branch into online stuff and all that's well and good and we can scale. And so I'm in that place of scale right now because it works for me. I got to say, I know tons of coaches that have little or no online presence and other service providers who are not coaches that have virtually no online presence who are killing it. Like they're crushing it in the game. In fact, last week when I was talking to Kate Northrup, she was telling me she lives in a little town in Maine, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And she went to like one of two restaurants in her town with her husband for dinner last week and ran into Oprah Winfrey and had a total freak out fangirl moment. Like didn't know, you know what to do with herself. And, but of course she had to walk over and, and politely introduce herself. And, and she asked Oprah like, why in the world are you here? <laughs> like, why, why would you be in this diner, in this, in this little town? And Oprah was there because she is interviewing a, an author for her Super, Super Soul Sunday because she's recommending the book in her book club in, in an upcoming episode. And that author has no website, has no Instagram and no Facebook. And Oprah Winfrey hopped on a plane and flew out to her. That's how I feel about social media. I feel that if it's working for you, great, but it doesn't work for all of us and it's not necessary all the time. Dana, does that make sense? What comes up for you? Am I off course? Am I speaking to something relevant here? You tell me. No, I I think it makes total sense. I uh, feel very strongly that it's not that, you know, there's not one route for everyone. And I really push against the idea that, you have to really capitalize on social media. If it doesn't feel natural for me or it's not calling for me or it feels too much like efforting, then I don't want to do it. But in my old school business training brain, right, (laughs) I struggle with, but that's the way you're supposed to. And it just feels really good to have permission to do it the way that makes, that feels right. So yeah. Yes. Total sense. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to say something really off the cuff that's probably controversial, but this is how I feel. Corporate and professional culture around the world for hundreds of years has been dominated by men. And there's a very testosterone approach to the way we run business. And it's certainly the approach that I learned in business school, which is you got to be all in. And here's the 30 things you can be doing better if you want your business to do well. You need to be having an email campaign and you need to be having, a, you know, four social media posts a day and you need to be doing a matter of speaking events and you got to have a podcast and a book and like all this stuff. And I think that's one way of doing business. And that way was designed by a bunch of men who were in their 20s who either have a mom at home taking care of everything or a spouse at home taking care of everything else so that they could be working 80-hour days and not worrying about anything. And I think it's, it's so easy to think that that's the way we all have to do it. And for most women, especially women that want to have a life outside of work, that method just doesn't work. And so I know for sure, I felt like I was always behind and I must be messing up if I wasn't doing it the all-in gangbuster way 
all the time because that's what I was taught as if it was the only way. And it's one way. Um, and it's not the only way. That feels really good to hear. And it also reminds me of my corporate ladder climbing days where I always hit the mark and I always blew the expectations out of the water. And on paper, it looked like I was so good and so successful, but it was really unfulfilling because none of it spoke to my heart. Yeah, that's it. And I, we want that, right? Like, I think yeah. that's part of all of our why. Everybody in this group, we're here because we want professional success, whether that's our own business or our career. Maybe we work for somebody else, but we want that professional success, but we also want fulfillment at the same time. <laughs> like, we're not just in it. To... I think about it like this. I was taught how to run a business like my body was one of those like wholesale going out of business. Like, you ever see those, like, signs on the side of the road, like liquidation centers? I was taught how to run business as if the rest of me was a business in liquidation. I was taught how to run my business in a way that had no correlation between my body or my spirit or me wanting to be around family or friends, as if, I, as if they were two separate things. And I refused to be a business in personal liquidation. Not interested. Like, I don't want a closed-up shop. I want to be here for a long time. And in liquidation, you also give it all away. So right. At like basement bottom prices. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not interested. That's one way to yeah. do it. Not interested. And so the last question that was there was somebody said, well, you know, if you are in the market to get more social media followers, how do you do it? And this is something Ellen will tell you because we have conversations around this all the time is how do we to stay really personally engaged with people? When people post on social media, I do my best to read and respond to every single post. And that's becoming a new evolution for me and figuring that out now that we're getting a lot more um, engagement and replies. I'm figuring out, okay, how can I do that and stay sane and what's that going to look like? So that's something that I'm learning how to be better at. But rather than going for thousands of followers, we really just need a handful of engaged people and that'll be enough. And so actually reading and responding to what people write. And I think about when I'm on social media now as an act of meditation, of meta meditation, which is like a Buddhist term for loving kindness meditation. I am on there for 10 minutes at a time. I actually set a timer and I am sending love to people with every response that I, that I make. The moment either the timer goes off or my stomach starts to get in knots and I'm no longer feeling loving, I mean, I'm done. I'm done for that moment. Right? And we're moving on. That's just what works for me. That's a really beautiful way to think about it. And I would recommend that everybody here on this call, like, we get to make our own social media rules. Being on social media, I was talking about a similar analogy with Lakshmi earlier. Like, it's the Wild West out there. <laughs> it is the Wild West. And you're the sheriff and you get to make your rules. So Ellen and I, just this very week, we made a new rule. We said we no longer work for the algorithm. The algorithm is going to work for us. And we're going down from doing seven social media posts a week, so one post a day, to four. Because we know that four really good posts are enough. There are plenty. That's enough. So my rule is I don't work for the algorithm. The algorithm works for me. I don't care what Facebook or Instagram has to say about how many times a week I should be posting. That's my role. I would love to hear from a woman live on the call because I know social media can be a charged topic. What might be one of your new rules? Somebody tell me what's a rule that would work for you. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) What's like one idea? What if it's not like the best idea? What's just like one idea? I think for me, I'm going to go for human connection 
above the right pose at the right moment or something like that. Human connection. How could I formulate something that would just feel connecting? Yeah. Yeah. So rather than right, mm-hmm. it's going to be connecting. Everyone's going for right. That market is saturated. Go for connecting. <laughs> right? That's what we're looking for. Good one, Sandrine. Somebody else, what could be a social media rule? What's your personal rule moving forward? One thing I've been thinking about is I, I tend to just not, uh, I use Instagram, but I tend to like dread using it. I had read at one point that Monday and Wednesday afternoons are the best time to post. And I thought, okay, if I could just just commit to only just doing those two things, that maybe the structure of telling myself I don't have to do anything more than that would help. There we go. Picking your days and just doing those days. These are the two days. And also, I think planning ahead. Like if I, if it's part of like my weekly planning, okay, this is what I'm going to post this week. So when it's time to do it, I don't have to think about it. I just, it's ready to go. Oh, exactly that. That's been huge for me. We started planning the social media posts about a year ago. And every Monday I plan them out for the week. And that's it. I know what our topic is. I know what we're speaking to and it's, and it's done. And then I can go off script and do more if I want to, but I rarely want to. <laughs> it's usually right, not. Right, right. It's plenty. Do you write all the captions to your posts ahead of time or do you write them off the cuff every Monday? And do you have someone check them or do you just kind of post? So our system is I 100% write all of the posts myself because I believe in that connection for right now. That's what makes sense. And then uh, we use Planoly, which is a great online tool that lets you plan all your things in advance for social media. So I get all the the photos and the captions ready. And then Ellen comes in and she proofreads them because I make lots of grammar and typos mistakes. She proofreads them, she formats them, and she schedules them for the times that they're sent out. And then that's it. We can can walk away. And then I have a little reminder every day for 10 minutes to log in and read and respond so that I'm I'm engaged on a daily basis when the posts go out. We don't want to ghost anybody. We don't want to post stuff and then not be there but it's planned in advance. And that's been huge for getting me off the emotional roller coaster of do people like this post? Because I'd put all this stress and tension into getting the post right. And I really wonder, and then I'd be checking like every five minutes after I posted it. Oh God, did they like it? Is it working? What are they saying? You know, and next thing you know, I'd spend like two hours on a post, usually at night when I could be relaxing. And so there's no longer the highs and the lows. I just know I'm here consistently. And if somebody responds, I'm going to jump in the conversation with them. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. So maybe in the future, we'll do more of these. Maybe we'll do this, you know, once, a, once every couple of months or something. And as we wrap up here, I would love to hear from a, a woman on the call. What's one thing that stood out to you today? What's one thing that you really want to remember? You don't need to do all the things, right? What's one thing that you noticed? I really noticed that my responsibility is doing what I know how to do or I feel like I can do. And the rest, whether it feels too big or I don't really know how to go about it, that's the universe. Response. You got it. You got it. That. <laughs> that's it I'll post that handout but really it, it's literally just like a, a line down the middle of the paper with two headers on either side somebody else give me one more what is one thing that stood out and it might be something that I shared or it might be just an aha you're having or something you're connecting 
within yourself. I love I don't work for the algorithm. The algorithm works for me. <laughs> I feel like that's such a I feel like that's such a metaphor for everything in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. We were thinking about that. You know, we were saying like, oh, gosh, this applies to more. Like, I don't work yeah. for the email system. The email system works for me. You know, I don't work for Facebook Live. Facebook Live works for me. Like, all of it. Like, yeah. right, I am building a business that actually nourishes me. It's that sense of freedom in those terms, in that context. Yeah. yeah. Well said, Dana. Well said. All right, one last woman. What are you noticing? What is one thing that's standing out? I want to remember to count my hours like the ones I take to get nourished as business hours. That's going to be a huge change maker. Yeah, it is. And I can't wait, Sandrine, for you to report back how that's going, like what you're noticing. And if you need any support around that, what specifically it might look like, start a thread and I'll jump in with you. Because I know in the beginning that can feel like, oh, where do I even begin? Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Well, I appreciate the way we share things here. So there you have it, a peek inside my real world and a little glimpse about how things run in the Reclaiming Time studio. Now, remember at the top of this episode when I said that this was going to be a two-way Q&A, where after I answered a bunch of questions, I was going to ask you one really important question directly? Well, here it is. I want to know from you, what is one thing that really surprised you that I shared? What was one thing that you didn't see coming or it was a different way of seeing things that might be of some use to you that you're totally surprised by that really stands out in your memory? I want you to post that on social media or in a review so that I know where you're at, what you're working on, and we can be in direct conversation together. Because if there is one thing I have learned from working with women one-on-one for many years, it's that we love to have time to process what we've learned and we don't always get that kind of space. It is so easy to go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and never get to fully digest what we've just experienced. So let's process this together. Tell me what one thing really stands out because maybe it kind of surprised you or it was a different way of seeing things. And we'll take the conversation on social media together from there. Remember, woman, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.